0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. I'm excited to get into the Word this morning. We are kicking off a new series today, Summertime Stories. And man, over the next six weeks, we've got a bench that is stacked. I'm not talking about what LeBron tried to do. I'm talking about 98 bulls stacked. Man, we've got some of the best pastors and preachers and leaders over the next couple of weeks bringing the word. So you want to make sure you do not miss a Sunday. But if you've got your word, you can go ahead and open it up to John chapter 5. And the title of today's message is Pool Party in Palestine. Let's pray. Y'all ready to get in the pool? I'm always blown away. We'll pray in a second, but I'm always blown away that Pastor Mike and Rachel even trust me with a moment like this. It's like your parents being out of town and they trusting you at the house. You know what I'm saying? It didn't work out too well with my parents in high school, but we'll see how it goes today. Pray for me. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that your presence has already met us here, Lord. Lord, before we ever step into this building, your presence is already making way for us. So I pray that you do what only you can do today, Lord, that your presence speak to us. Lord, you speak through me. Lord, I am available. Use me today. Speak to us. We need you. It's all a waste of time if you're not here lord they're not here to see me they're here to see you in Jesus name amen amen I love a swimming pool man I love a pool party if you live in south Louisiana you better live love a pool man if you don't have a pool at home you got friends with a pool you better nurture that relationship that is an important relationship shout out Jeff Rabin and Troy LeBlanc I love you guys So when we had our first child, Elijah and Allison, came up with the idea of swim lessons, I was all about it, you know? How awesome is this, first off, that you have a six month, seven month old who's able to swim, talking about a party trick. You always want your kid to have a good party trick. But also, as a man, we just seem to have this masculine urge for our child to be able to do things that other people's child can't do. It's kinda like that thing from elementary school, my dad could beat your dad up, it doesn't change much. So when Allison came to me about putting Elijah in swim lessons, I was all about it. I was excited. Man, we, we paid our money. We put him in. I remember the first day, we got him all ready. We got him hyped up. And they put him in the pool. And it's like a, a I won't say a mommy and me class, but you're kind of in the pool. And the first day, I was a little disappointed. You know, they kind of just sprinkle a little water on him here and there, splash some water. And I'm like, tomorrow, we're going to get to the good stuff, though, right? And I'm ready to see this kid swim. Second day comes around. And at some point, I began to realize that this was not swim lessons at all. This was more like waterboarding for babies. <laughs> they started to take these babies and just put them underwater. And I don't know about you, but I did a little preparation as a parent, and that was not something that was included. Honestly, it was like the last thing I ever thought or wired myself in order to do. And But weirdly, scary enough, I couldn't even do it. Like, I just told Allison, hey, you got to go for it. This is you. They're like, oh, he's going to learn how to hold his breath by just putting him underwater. The scary part is Allison seemed to do it with no problem. (laughs) It was at this point she almost seemed like she enjoyed it. (laughs) She's like smiling, put the baby underwater. At this point, I realized that this is a woman that I never want to cross in my life. If she can do this to a baby, there ain't no telling what she can do to me. Man, we paid all this money, but this place was a pool of lies. So we bought him a puddle jumper. Y'all go ahead and mom shame me. I see some of y'all already. You know that's gonna give that baby a false sense of safety in the swimming pool. Guess what, my baby can beat your baby up. (laughs) We got him a puddle jumper and he does great. He can beat your baby up in a puddle jumper. Spider-Man on and everything. But today I want to talk about another pool of lives that we see in the Bible. So if you've got your Bible, you go ahead and open up to John chapter 5, verse 1. It says, After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda, in Aramaic, which means five colonnades or five porches. It says, Within these lay a large number of the disabled, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. It says, one man was laying there who'd been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, oh, to be seen by Jesus. When the eyes of the creator in the heaven of earth are laid on you, everything changes. Man, this man was not looking for his miracle, but his miracle was looking for him. He was not thinking about Jesus, but Jesus was thinking about him. This man had no faith. This man had no theology, but Jesus' eyes had laid on him. Can I let you know that you're here? I don't know how you think you ended up in your seat this morning, but you are here because Jesus' eyes are on you. And when his eyes are on you, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how far you can run. I can tell you, I ran, people, and I was a pretty good runner. But his eyes were on me, and his love wore me down. Man, it did not look like rainbows and clouds parting and unicorns coming down to me. For me, his love looked like the back of police cars. It looked like general population. It looked like a public uh, parish prison tour. But his love wore me down. Anybody else had to go through the school of hard knocks to get in here today. His love knows what you need, and his love is calling you to him today. He sees you. It says that Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there for a long time. He said, do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly. Say that with me, Instantly. The man picked up his mat and started to walk. This was Jesus' first public miracle. Jesus ain't scared. Jesus ain't hiding. And he ain't hiding today. Jesus came out with his first public miracle because he wants to make a statement. He wants to let everybody know who he is. He wants to let everybody know what he is about. He is about his father's business. See, Jesus has gotten a bad rap in the past few years. See, so many people have been focusing on what Jesus is against. It seems like they've forgotten what he is for. Jesus has not come for condemnation, but he has come for proclamation. Proclamation of good news to the poor, to open blind eyes, to open deaf ears, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim freedom to the captive. That's right, I said good news. Anybody needs some good news in here? Maybe we started calling the gospel good news again. People might as well start tuning in. Some of us need to turn off the news and turn up the good news. Man, the enemy knows if he can't destroy the gospel, he's going to do everything he can to distract you from the gospel. And he's doing a good job of it. He's getting way too much attention. Man, believers walking around with their peace tarnished, their joy shattered. Can you believe they're doing this today? I saw this on the news, or the new news, Facebook. Half of it ain't even true. You saw what they're doing? What you mean, like the world is acting like the world? The Bible says the world is gonna act like the world. It's time for the church to act like the church. It's time for us to hold on to this good news like never before and let us shine in this dark world like Paul tells us to. Skeptics say, where is this great God of the past? Where is this great God of David, of Noah, of Gideon? But I think the more important question is, where is the David, the Noah, and the Gideons of our great God? The ones who will go where he says to go, who will say what he says to say, who will love the ones that he calls us to love. And we're not just talking about the unborn. We're talking about the born from the womb to the tomb and everything in between. Am I preaching to the right church today? Y'all getting me turned up, and I'm not even preaching about this this morning. I want to talk about three different things I see in this story, three different themes in this story. The first one is the lie, the pool of Bethesda. Or English, it would mean the pool of outpouring or house of mercy. But see, this pool is not one that you want to be laying on side of trying to catch a tan. Scholars say this pool, they describe it as a chaotic place, a crazy place, a dirty place, a nasty place. Especially during this Jewish festival, they say there could have been up to 3,000 sick, lame, and blind laying aside of this pool. And what they did was they believed that they were sold a lie. They would believe that when this pool began to stir... Later on, they say it was a natural spring within this pool that would cause the water to stir, but they believed it was an angel coming down to stir the waters. They believed that when this pool began to bubble, when it became to stir, whoever was the fastest, the smartest, whoever worked hard enough, whoever was connected enough, if they could get down to this pool, then all of their wildest dreams would come true. They would finally find what they were looking for. They would finally find what their body needs, what their soul needs knees. We don't know how this man got here that day, but clearly somebody brought him here and told him at this place he could get well. This pool became to look like a rat race. People skipping people, crawling over people, clawing to get ahead. And I don't think this story is necessarily just for the paralyzed, but there's something about this story that seems too familiar just to Passover. It seems so much like the society that we live in today. To be honest, it sounds a lot like the hustle, the grind, what Hollywood, what social media has sold us to as as the new American dream. And we sit back just like this other man watching others get ahead, looking at those who've already gotten in the pool, watching award shows, keeping up with the Kardashians, Real Housewives. That's right, I ain't just coming after Fox News and CNN. I know what y'all be watching on Wednesday nights. And we obsess over those who have already gotten into the pool. Or we sit back like this man and watch those get to the pool before us. Those whose businesses have taken off, who made their first million in business before us, or whose marriages take off, or we watch those on social media and watch others live our dream. And maybe none of these are your pool, but we all have a pool. You know, maybe your pool is that you finally get married because you're tired of being a bridesmaid on somebody else's day or I felt like God told me there was somebody in here whose pool was that feeling they first felt the first time they got high, when it felt like everything was right, when they felt like they were finally worth something, when they felt like everything was finally peaceful in life. None of us are immune to the lie of the pool. Even in a day and age of celebrity pastors, I fall prey to the lie of the pool. If I just beat everyone here, man, if I just get bigger than JT, if I just outwork everybody, if I get up and finally preach a good message, maybe I will finally get all that I want. And the truth is that this, the Bible tells us to work hard. Man, if you are a believer, you better work hard than everybody else in your place of employment. But the truth that this algorithm will finally get us what we need, that will finally make us feel seen, will finally make us feel loved, will finally make us feel worthy, is simply a lie. See, our society has more money than ever has more opportunity than ever, is more connected than ever, but we're more lost, we're more broken, we're more lonely than ever before. I've met with so many wealthy people, people that'll make more this year than I'll ever make in my whole life. Marriages are falling apart. They have no joy, they have no peace. They even have no purpose. In the words of the late great prophet Biggie Smalls, "More money, i'm in the right church this morning (laughs) yet there's still something inside of us that says oh but let me try let me get the money i bet you i can hold on to my joy i bet you i can even crank it up a little bit isn't it true the truth is where's tony klein i don't know if he's in here me and tony It don't matter how hard we work. It don't matter how many free throws we practice. It don't matter how many uh, if we shoot like Steph. We ain't going to the NBA. That's what this message is really about. I prayed every night to be as tall as Dikembe Mutombo as a child. But I believe God's going to redeem that through my two-year-old. He's going to be taller than me by fourth grade. That boy will be carrying me to kids' district. But these lies, man, these lies are sold to us that leave areas of our life paralyzed. The second thing I see in this story is the lame. These lies become our demise, church. See, there's a great paradox in this story. Yeah, I had to Google that word just to sound smart in front of you guys today. But see, the very thing that he looked to as his Savior was the very thing that kept him sick. He laid there for 38 years being reminded that he was not worthy enough, that he was not fast enough, that he was not connected enough, that he could not work hard enough. You know, scientists have actually tracked the brain while we scroll through Facebook and social media, and they say your brain actually puts off depression hormones within your brain. The same thing we look at as our Savior is the same thing that keeps us sick. This man had been here for so long to a point that he began to give up hope. 38 years is a long time. Some could even say after 38 years, this man had to have made a choice to stay there. But I believe that he truly just got comfortable. See, as humans, we have this unique ability in order to adapt, in order to grow comfortable in the uncomfortable. You know, I heard a really profound statement. This doesn't even have anything to do with my message, but I believe it's going to bless somebody today. If nothing changes, nothing changes. If your marriage is on the rocks, if nothing changes, nothing changes. If you feel spiritually dry, if nothing changes, nothing changes. If you're depressed, if nothing changes, nothing changes. But we have this ability to grow comfortable in the uncomfortable. This man grew comfortable on his mat. He grew comfortable in his sickness. And I know about this ability simply because I've been trying to potty train a two-year-old for the past month. When Allison first came to me with this idea, I was on board. And then she began to explain to me how this is going to work. She said, Chris, Elijah, our child, two-year-old, who simply not ever looked at a toilet, touched a toilet, talked about a toilet, showed any desire to use a toilet— We'll be walking around with no pants for the next week, and no diaper either. I was terrified. And I've been through some things. I used to run with thugs and jack boys, but this here had me shook. Fast forward a month, man, I'll be forgetting to even wash my hands. I catch myself at dinner, did I wash my hands? The smells fine, let me go ahead and finish eating. We grow comfortable in the uncomfortable, church. Why do you think you got more than one kid? Your kids ain't got better. You just got used to it. (laughs) We grow comfortable in the uncomfortable. This man never imagined that he'd be laying there for 38 years, but he grew comfortable. See, the enemy doesn't need to take us out. He just needs to make us comfortable. And none of us are on a mat this morning. None of us are laying on the ground. But the truth is, all of us have areas in our life where we have gotten comfortable, where comfort has handicapped our calling, where we traded calling for comfort. It may be that you've been in here one Sunday and you felt God speak to you. You needed to go make a phone call after, but you didn't. Or you were here this morning, you felt like God told you, you need to go join next steps. You need to start a small group. You need to join a small group. And the next Sunday back after, you, had, you were a little uncomfortable about it. But Sunday after Sunday, if you still didn't do what he called you to do, you grew up in a little more comfortable in it. You know, it didn't bother you as much. Or maybe like this man, your comfort has become, your sickness has become from a habit or a sin. Am I saying that you're sick, that physical illness comes from sin? No. That's between you and God. But Jesus says in this particular case, it is. Sin has consequences, my church. See, the devil is a bad house guest. Any of y'all's mama used to have guests coming up when you were young? She'd have you cleaning everything. You're like, mama, I don't think they're coming to dinner. I don't think they're going in the attic. I don't think they're going to look under my bed. She's like, shut up, boy, just clean. (laughs) But see, the devil is a bad house guest. If you let the devil in your house, what happens when you let sin in, you can't tell him what rooms he's allowed to go into and which rooms he's not allowed to go into. This is why Paul warns the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, this is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have even fallen asleep. If we were properly judging ourselves, we would not need to be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. The word says he disciplines those he loves. But see, he doesn't point it out to walk away from you. He doesn't point it out to rub it in your face he points out the sin, he points out the habit this morning to call you out of it. Because the truth is you never wanted it to take you as far as it has taken you. You never wanted it to hold on to you as long as it is holding on to you. But you found yourself on this ride you never wanted to get on and you don't see a way off. And that's where the Lord steps into the scene. See, although times have changed, The human condition hasn't changed much. And what that means is the solution has not changed at all. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is just as powerful. He is just as loving. He is just as faithful. And just like he was looking that day, he's looking for somebody today. And he walks to this man and he says, do you want to be well? And I believe he asked so many of us the same question today. And it's a question that seems pretty absurd. You're like, Jesus, this dude's been laying here for 38 years. He wants to get well, my boy. But see, Jesus' his questions ain't no surface-level questions. He's questioning your soul. Have you ever talked to Ms. Elise Cole? Ms. Elise Cole talked to you. She's looking in your soul, boy. She ain't asking you about your hair. She's asking you, why your hairs like that? See, Jesus ain't asking this man just about his desire, but he's asking if he's willing to change his delight, if he's willing to change his direction. And he asks us today, do you want to be well? And of course we say yes, but honestly, do we want to be well? We say we want peace and contentment, but delete Instagram. We say we want to quit looking at the things that we're looking at on our phone, but delete safari off our phone seems a little extreme, Chris. We say we want to keep doing the same things we've been doing on the weekends, but quit going to your cousin Trey's house and going to the club. Seems like a little much. That's my family. See, we live in a place, and I'm preaching to myself right here. We want to be sexy, but we also want the cinnamon roll. See, we want the sin, but we want the Savior too. We want the sex, but we also want the Savior. We want the smoke, but we also want the Savior. But he is Lord and Savior. Or we respond like this man did that day. Do you want to be well? And we try to make God our high-powered assistant. Yeah, I want to be made well, but I have nobody to put me in. And whenever I go to get in, somebody always gets in before me. See, this man's eyes were still on the pool. What he was really asking Jesus was, will you help me get ahead? Could you help me get to the pool? Would you help me to get in to the water? See, he had no clue who truly stood before him that day, just like so many of us don't. Jesus is thinking, get into the water. I am the water. What you crave, what you desire is not what I do, but it's who I am. See, God does not participate in our systems. He does not participate in our pools. He supersedes our systems. What you've been looking for, what you've been desiring for, that peace, that security, that safety, that love, that purpose is not found in any body of water, church. It's found on a body that hung on a cross 2,000 years ago. And in that body, you can have forgiveness of your past. From that body, you can find freedom from your past. From that body, the holes in your soul can be filled Through that body, he says, delight yourself in the Lord, and all the desires of your heart will be yours. Through that body, we can have streams of living water within our souls. Through that body, we can receive the spirit of adoption. I tell you, when you are a son or a daughter of God, man, it don't matter who your mommy and daddy was. It don't matter what family you've come from. It don't matter what you did yesterday. It don't matter what you did this morning on the way to church. All that matters is your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can provide whatever you need, whether it be physical miracle, whether it be financial miracle, whether it be emotional miracle. He has what you need. You don't need to get in what you can have within. And Jesus looks down at this man. And he says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And it says, instantly, the man got up. Oh, we love that word, instant, in 2022. Instant oatmeal, instant food, instant success, cryptocurrency, NFTs, instant weight loss. Can I get an amen? Amen. Pastor David will take that. But this is the only instant church that won't leave you sick again, that won't leave you lame again. See, I found myself in rehab 10 years ago, lost, sick, broken, paralyzed. And for the first time in my life, I got down on my face and I began to plead out to God. For the first time in my life, I gave him everything, not just my desires, but I gave him my delight. God, I want to find all that I need in you. I don't want anything this world has for me anymore. I don't want anything this addiction has for me anymore. I don't want anything that any man can give to me anymore. I want all that you have for me. And I laid it all down, and instantly, he broke a 10-year addiction off of my life. But he didn't just take from me that day. Boy, he filled my soul with streams of living water with a spring of living water, bigger and more powerful than any spring that was in this pool that day, that bubbled over everywhere that I went. Boy, I was walking around rehab cheesed up. I was in court reappointed rehab. This was not Palms or Palmdale, California. Man, this was government-funded stuff. It was dirty. It was nasty. I was with ex-convicts cheesed up smiling, laughing everywhere I went because the joy of the Lord was bubbling up over me. I couldn't contain it. I couldn't hold it in. It was so bad they said, let's drug test this boy. My drug test was negative. I barely graduated from high school, but they graduated me from rehab early. That's something to be proud of. And I come to share this story today to tell you that there is nothing special about me. The God who did it for me wants to do it for you. And he's asking you today, do you want to be made well? Are you willing to give up your pools? Are you tired of the mat that's been carrying you? Or are you ready to pick up that mat and carry it? Do you want to be made well? And I'm not talking about joining the church or reading your Bible from time to time, I'm talking about coming to Jesus, making Him Lord and Savior of your life. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.